All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Um, first of all, sorry if I sound slightly more manly <laughs> this episode. I get really bad spring allergies, uh, and they are hitting hard right now, but it's okay because the weather is nicer, and I am very happy for that. Um, but yeah, bear with me. I'm trying to get through this without aggressively sneezing, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, but you might have noticed when you went to listen to this episode, there was a slight name change to the podcast. Uh, I did that because there's already an existing brand out there that's called Roll With The Winners. I think it was actually formed by some people LeBron knows. Shocking, right? Um, and obviously, like, I'm kind of in the clear right now with my double-digit listeners. I don't think uh, that's going to be a huge issue. But, you know, when I'm super famous and become a massive brand, I don't want to get sued. So, you know, just trying to cover cover my tracks ahead of time. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think we're good for now. But, hey, we are inching closer and closer to three-digit, uh, triple-digit listeners. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, before I get into the the big topic for today, I first want to talk about the Masters. Oh my God, um, that that was a beautiful moment to watch. So I, I'm sure most of you have already seen this, but Tiger Woods won the Masters. Uh, it was a beautiful moment to see him one embrace his kids, especially when you see the side by side shot of him embracing his father when he won many, many years ago. Um, and now he's embracing his own children in that moment. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, as well as I loved watching how he reacted to his caddy. I thought that was the coolest thing. He runs up to him and he goes, we did it, which you know, golf is a very individual sport, so I thought that was super cool of him to, in that heat of a moment, not really just be thinking about himself, but also how his caddy helped him um, to be able to do that too. So I thought that was a really special moment. I don't know if anyone has also seen the video of uh, that's kind of been going around, but it's basically this montage of different sports analysts and stuff saying like Tiger's washed up. He should just retire, blah, blah, blah. And it's Tiger sitting there watching this compilation of videos with this just little smirk on his face. I'm not sure how long ago that was recorded, uh, but you could just tell in his eyes he was like, screw you guys. I'm doing this. Uh, So I'm happy for him. I know he hasn't Uh, Made the best choices in his personal life always, but he is the best to do what he does professionally. So really happy to see it. Uh, I, I mean... I used to be a huge fan of him back in the day growing up, uh, and I was thinking about this earlier today. I loved this um, ESPYs acceptance speech. It wasn't Tiger Woods that did it, but he won the ESPYs. He won the ESPYs for Best Male Athlete. I, I want to say it was probably around 2008. This was pre-Tiger Woods cheating scandal, so it had to be like late 2000s. I want to say the cheating scandal was around 2009 maybe, so I think this was like 2008. But he won Best Male Athlete, and Will Ferrell goes up on stage to accept the award for him acting as if he is Tiger Woods. Uh, it was seriously, I'm, I'm going to link it in uh, the Instagram post for this episode because it was seriously one of the funniest things I've seen in my entire life. Like he was, <laughs> he, he said the funniest things. He was like, as I look around this room here tonight, I realize that 
This isn't about being the best golfer. It's about being the best athlete alive. Um, and he, <laughs> oh yeah, he was like, people are always asking me, Tiger, how do you do it? And my answer is, shut up. I ask the questions around here. I'm Tiger Woods. Like the whole thing was just hilarious. He said his sponsors were Ticonderoga Pencils, number two and three, but not number four because that is ridiculous. Um, Yeah, I'll link it. It is like the best acceptance speech. It's probably not as funny when I say it, but when you watch Will Ferrell say it, you're going to crack up. It was incredible. One of my favorite videos of all time. I still go back and watch it, and that was over a decade ago now. So, yeah, that's pretty pretty crazy. Um, But, yeah, the main topic for today um, is going to be the NFL draft. Uh, It's wild for me this year because – I really don't have much riding on this personally for me as I do most years where it's pretty much the most important day of the Cleveland Brown season, but we don't even have a, you know, first or a pick in the first round, uh, which I don't even really care that much, to be honest. I mean, it would be great if we did, but we're not going to aggressively suffer without it because we are rolling. We are still going to be playoff contenders regardless of what we do in this draft. So, I am excited that I don't have to be so, I don't know, put so much weight on this one day that usually doesn't even work out anyways. Um, But what I'm going to do is kind of give my first 10 picks of the draft. Um, I was going to go through the whole first round, but that would just be a lot. So I'm going to do the first 10 picks in the draft um, as if there were no trades. I know every year teams trade up, teams trade down. It's going to happen again. I am sure of that. But it's really hard to predict ahead of time what teams are actually going to act on that and make the trade and then completely shift everything else that's going to happen uh, in the following picks. (laughs) So I am going to give my first 10 picks as if there was going to be no trading at all. Um, Not saying that's not going to happen, but that's how I'm just going to roll with this here. Uh, So first pick, uh, Arizona Cardinals have... Pretty much 99.9% of everyone thinks that Kyler Murray is going to be the first pick in the NFL draft this year. Um, I still feel like he shouldn't have even gone into the NFL draft, to be honest. I think he should be playing baseball. Uh, One, money. So much more money in baseball. Two, why would you totally risk like your brain and the safety of your body I don't know. He must really love it. Props to him, but I don't know. I don't think I would have made the same choice, but I I still think he's going to go number one, and I still think he has a shot at being a really incredible uh, NFL quarterback, but it's really hard to say how these college quarterbacks end up performing in the NFL. I mean, it's such a, a hit or miss thing every single time, um, but if he does go number one, that's going to be super, super cool to see another Oklahoma quarterback that was the Heisman go number one in the draft. Uh, same as, I'm sure you guys know, Baker Mayfield last year. Oklahoma quarterback who was the Heisman went number one in the draft. That would be so wild if that happened two years in a row. I'm, I mean, I have to believe that something like that has never, ever happened before. If it has, that would be wild, but... Man, that that would be something really special. It was already special when they won the Heisman 
two the Heisman two years in a row, but for them to both get drafted number one, I mean that would be that would be pretty unreal. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Arizona Cardinals most likely are going to take him. They're going to find a way to trade trade away Josh Rosen, make room for Kyler, try to see if he's a franchise quarterback for him. I, I, I don't think there's like too much wiggle room on this one. Uh, the only other wild thing they could do would be to take who I have at number two, Nick Bosa. Um, so the San Francisco 49ers have the number two pick in the draft. Pretty much everyone also has them taking Nick Bosa, Ohio State Buckeye. Uh, kind of a short-lived career at Ohio State, but still a Buckeye nonetheless. I would have had him at number one, um, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure the Cardinals are going to take Kyler. If they don't, they will take Nick Bosa, but I, I'm sticking with him at number two. Um, funny story about Nick Bosa, actually. So before he was even at Ohio State, I saw him at one of the uh, classic Ohio State bars, the O, for any of my Buckeyes listening. Um, I was a freshman at a bar. Sorry, parents. Um, but I was, you know, being annoying. And I see that, you know, this large looking football players across the bar. I go up to him. I'm like, are you Joey Bosa? Because at the time I did not know Nick existed. They look so much alike. He was like, no, I'm Nick. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, you know, walk away, right out of whatever. But yeah, that's how I realized Nick Bosa existed and became an incredible player and is most likely going number two in the draft. So good story. But yeah, any team would be very stupid not to draft him. So if he doesn't go number one, he's going number two. I mean, he's he's going one of those two picks. He's not dropping any lower than that. Absolutely not. Uh, number three, New York Jets have the third pick in the draft. I have Josh Allen from Kentucky going here. Um, you know, the Jets seemed to really struggle to find some type of pass rusher that is consistent for their team. So I think this would be a great fit for them for that reason. Uh, Josh Allen had 17 sacks in college and the SEC, which is pretty impressive, um, even though I hate the SEC, which I already said, and we'll probably get into more in a later episode. But still very impressive uh, to to have that kind of production in in a conference like that and Kentucky had a pretty good year last year they typically are more of a basketball school but um, I mean I think he was probably a huge part of why they had such a successful season so props to him I think the Jets will take him I also you know I love a good underdog story like I I literally sit there crying reading stories about different underdogs who prove people wrong in sports that's why I love Baker honestly nobody Wanted him when he was in high school. He was a three-star recruit. He walked on at Texas Tech, set some records. The coach still didn't want to put him on scholarship, so he's like, screw you, transferred to Oklahoma, walked on there, earned the starting job, won the Heisman, first pick in the draft. You know the story. He's on the Browns. And, you know, I'm going to throw out their future Super Bowl MVP too. So he, he really was that typical underdog story who has made quite the name for himself, so I, I like this Josh Allen guy, too, because, you know, he was kind of talks about being the kid who was bullied in high school. Um, you know, people were mean to him. I think only two schools offered him a scholarship when he was going into college. I mean, Kentucky's not a huge football school, so I'm sure, you know, he 
was grateful to have that, but still he wasn't getting any of the big name offers. Um, and now he's projected to be a pick in the first round. So that's super awesome. Props to him. I have him going at three. Uh, fourth pick in the draft, the Oakland Raiders. I have uh, Quinn and Williams from Alabama. I hate Alabama, but this guy's pretty great. Um, also, the Raiders have a lot of early picks this year. I think they have like four of the first, it's somewhere around four of the first like 35 or 36 picks in the draft. So that's pretty awesome. And that's like a really great shot for them to rebuild in a lot of areas, which they obviously need to do. Um, the Raiders had the league low in sacks last year. They had 13 sacks, which is like nothing. There are players that them themselves have 13 sacks in a year. Um, so they obviously really need to work on their, their defensive line or yeah, their defensive line because it's been the worst in the league. Um, so it's more important for them to fix that than anything else because I honestly believe that you cannot have success if you don't have a strong defensive line and an offensive line, honestly. If you can't protect your quarterback, like you're you're not going to do anything if he has a negative three seconds to throw the ball. But defensive line is definitely one of the most important things um, that you need as a team. So I think this guy is a solid player. He's played at a high level on a very good team too you know it it says a lot when you're playing around other great players and still look good so I think his future is bright and that is why I have him going at four uh fifth pick is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I have LSU's Devin White going um he won in 2018 the nation's best linebacker award I think it's called like the Buckus Award or something. Um, but he had two straight years of 120 plus tackles. So consistent guy, solid pick. I mean, you can't really go wrong with him. I know people like to kind of hate on safe picks sometimes because it's not super exciting, but you need to build those kinds of positions to be successful. And if you pick a solid, consistent guy, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, by just like not doing anything too crazy. Um, and I think Tampa Bay has been pretty pretty clear that they want him to. I've seen maybe one other name thrown out there, uh, but I'm pretty confident this is who they're going to end up going with. With the sixth pick in the NFL draft, the New York Giants are definitely going to select Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State. Um I feel like the Giants are playing hard to get. They're kind of low-key trying to pretend like they're not interested. But this is absolutely happening. I, I I really hope it does, too. I think Eli needs to go. He needs to be done. He is almost hurting his legacy more by just not being good anymore because um, he did have good years. Um, I, I just think Dwayne Haskins... Wherever he goes, he has the real potential to be a franchise quarterback. I think he would fit in perfectly here, and he would be very happy here as well. Uh, so I I hope they draft him. Uh, I'm probably biased on thinking he's the man because he is a Buckeye, but um, I mean, he's got an incredible arm, even though Stephen A. Smith will try to say he's more of a runner. Uh, but man, the guy has an arm like nothing else. He single-handedly helped 
carry Ohio State back from some really tough starts to games this last season. So I have a lot of respect for him as a player. He seems like a stand-up guy as well. I feel like he would really react well with the New York-type fan base as well. So I'm hoping they draft him. Uh, I think there's a good chance that'll happen too. Seventh pick, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I have Florida boy, Jawan Taylor. Um, one reason is because they definitely need some protection for Nick Foles. Uh, I know this guy has met with the team multiple times. I, you know, I, I don't, didn't watch too much Florida football since really the, the Tim Tebow days, uh, Oh, actually, funny story about Tim Tebow. So I went to an Akron Rubber Ducks game last summer with a couple of my coworkers at the time, and Tim Tebow was playing against the Akron Rubber Ducks, which I knew he was in minor league baseball, but it was just very shocking to be in like this small stadium in Akron, Ohio, and hear over the loudspeaker, Tim Tebow. Um, but he had a good hit, I remember. Uh, so that was exciting, but it's pretty wild that, that he did that honestly respect for him. But, um, yeah, I haven't watched too much Florida football, so I don't really know much about this guy, but he is freaking massive. Six foot five, 328 pounds. That is a big boy right there. So, um, from what everyone says about him, he is quick. Obviously, he is massive, which is a great combo of what you need um, for this kind of guy. So that's who I have going at seven for the eighth pick, the Detroit Lions. I have tight end from Iowa, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Big Ten, got a rep. So I think this pick is going to be pretty shocking to some people. Um I, I struggled with this one because I could see the Lions trading, which I said I'm not going to do in this this mock draft here. Um, but I definitely could see them trading because I did struggle with deciding who would be the best fit um, at an eighth pick caliber player. Uh, it, it was kind of hard for me to decide on that one. So I could see them trading around to find the right fit at the right pick for their team. But I decided to go with this guy because a lot of people, one, compare him to Gronk, which is exactly who you want to be compared to as a tight end. Uh, so good for him in that. Uh, I I struggled because I know it's super bold to take a tight end with your first pick, especially the eighth pick in the draft. But man, if it's the right fit for your team and that's what you need and they're that high level of a player that they're be being compared to Gronk, then take them. Like, if that's going to be what's best for your team, then do it, regardless of people thinking that maybe you shouldn't take a tight end that high up and that early in the draft. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this one, so, you know, you can let me know, but we'll see what happens. I think I think this has a shot of happening. Uh, ninth pick... The Buffalo Bills. I have them taking Ed Oliver. Uh, I struggled with this one too because most mock drafts out there have him going higher. Uh, I think talent-wise, yes, he he could go higher for that reason. Um, I could see even the Lions going with him, but I have the Bills going with him. It's just kind of how he ended up falling in this list for me. He's had a couple issues. I know last season he had 
sort of an injury later in the season, which sometimes teams get nervous about and last minute decide to to pass on someone if they have recently dealt with an injury. Uh, also, I don't know if anyone saw this, but last year he had this little screaming match with his coach on the sidelines. Uh, so basically what happened, uh, is he was wearing a, a coat on the sidelines and his coach came over to like start taking it off of him. Like, don't wear this coat right now. And a little bit later, Ed is like all up in his, or well, trying to be all up in his face. There's other teammates pulling him back as he's like yelling at his coach, which something like that is definitely concerning when teams are trying to decide who they want to take with their first round pick. They might pass on someone who's really talented because they're worried about what type of attitude they might have. I mean, this guy could prove me wrong. A lot of people thought Baker Mayfield had a bad attitude and, you know, some people thought teams should pass on him because of that. Um, but it turned out that he's he's a good dude. So I this guy could have just had a, a bad moment. I know people, you know, don't always make the best decisions in high intensity moments. So, you know, I will give him the benefit of the doubt, but I'm I'm leaving him at nine. I hope he proves me wrong and that he is a stand up player. Uh, you know, I try not to hold college behavior issues against people unless you are Johnny Manziel. Then I will hold it against you forever because you ruined my life. Uh, 10th pick I have, well, it's the Denver Broncos, Broncos, and I have Drew Locke going quarterback. Um, I struggled with this one as well because they recently, uh, picked up Joe Flacco on their team. So... Obviously, you know, a lot of people think he they wouldn't want to draft another quarterback. Uh, but I'm not fully convinced they're sold on Joe Flacco as being their guy. Uh, they they still need someone to really be that franchise quarterback them to build around. And I, I'm just not convinced that that's why they have Joe Flacco on their team. Uh, they could maybe be using him as like a money type pawn for trades or whatever. Uh, so I still think they have a shot at drafting this Drew Locke guy. I've also heard that John Elway loves him a lot, which is obviously important. So uh, I'm I'm not convinced Joe Flacco's their guy. I think that they're going to end up going with this Drew Locke. Uh, but we, we will see. Uh, so those are my first 10 picks. You know, what's crazy about the NFL draft is, so if the Cardinals decide for whatever reason, we're not going to take Kyler, we're going to go with Nick Bosa instead, that changes everything because then you push around the order of when all of these quarterbacks might go and, you know, what type of organization would be the best fit for them. So it's pretty wild to think that one team decides to go off the wall and do something completely different than what everyone thought they were going to do, and everyone's scrambling to figure out what what their next move is going to be. So it's always exciting. I love watching the NFL draft. It's it's always one of my favorite days. Like I said, I've been very into it for many years because of the Browns, but I'm still excited to watch it this year, even though the Browns have – I mean, I think they have a second, a third, fourth round pick, a couple like fifth, sixth, seventh round picks as well, but um, nothing too too crazy. Uh, there's a lot of Buckeyes going in the draft this year as well, other than Nick Bosa and Dwayne Haskins. I know Draymond Jones is going in the draft. He's another Cleveland boy, so repping the land. Paris Campbell, 
Uh, there's probably like five or six others who are going in the draft, which is always exciting to see Buckeyes out there making rosters, hopefully <laughs> not just getting drafted, but also making rosters. So that's kind of my my draft spiel for the episode. Uh, since I don't have a guest on today, I decided I will just tell another great memory I have in sports. Uh, and this is one of my favorite days ever. So in 2017, uh, my friend was gracious enough to take me with her to the game four of the NBA finals against the Warriors. Uh, that was the only game we won that series, which is okay because I was there for the one that we won. Uh, and it was literally a cleansing experience for me. Like we were obviously going to lose the series at that point. Uh, I could kind of tell, but we pretty much dominated them that entire game, which was super exciting. So I'm going to kind of go through a little bit of my night for you guys. So first of all, Dwayne Wade was there, and I'm still 100% convinced that he smiled and laughed at me when I was taking a Snapchat of him and Shaq talking. You cannot convince me otherwise because, okay, so I'm sitting there taking this Snapchat, and all of a sudden he turns a little in my direction, and I start laughing because he kind of looked like he turned right to look at my Snapchat, and then I see that he starts laughing, and I'm like, holy shit, Dwayne Wade is laughing at me. I mean, I could have totally been reading into that, but I don't care. I'm still convinced that he was laughing at me. And then I like totally looked away because I got super embarrassed and nervous that it was happening. But I'm still convinced that's what he was laughing at. And I also felt like LeBron definitely noticed me that game. I mean, he could have also just been like, who is this crazy person staring at me and screaming like I was the entire warm ups, just literally staring at him and yelling. Um and he's probably like, oh, that's just the girl that comments on all of my Instagrams in all caps, uh, security, <laughs> take her out. <laughs> um, but anyways, it was, the whole night was just a cleansing experience because I got to stand there with other very passionate Cavs fans and just scream my face off at every player on the Warriors. Like Draymond was really buying into the fans that night. I know he had at least one technical. He was just really reacting and yelling back at everyone. So it was cool because I felt like it was a very personal screaming match with Draymond Green, which I really needed to just get out of me, even though, you know, I was actually sitting right next to his college coach, Tom Izzo. He was like a row. I think he's actually like a row behind me, which is funny that I was sitting closer than Tom Izzo. Um, but I was just screaming at the top of my lungs, like, Draymond, you suck, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, he had one of those games where he doesn't do anything for the first 40 minutes. And then he hits, like, one three ball and acts like he is suddenly the greatest of all time and should be worshipped. And I just hate when he does that. You know, he had, like, I don't know. It's just really annoying. And then he had at least one technical that game. I think that was the game, too, that there was uh, – controversy on whether or not the refs called a technical on Steve Kerr or if they called it on Draymond. So there was all this drama over that too. But that was also the game that Draymond Green said after in like a press conference. He he said, I don't pay much attention to anyone in Cleveland. They don't seem to be the sharpest people around. And I took that as a very personal attack, obviously, because, you know, I felt like it was just me and him yelling at each other on the court that night. So I'm like, Draymond is personally calling me out right now but I had to remember I was not the only one there 
But yeah, I mean, it was really cool to be there with the double digit win. Definitely one of the better days in my life uh, that I will never forget. So there's my other memory. Um, But yeah, I think I'm going to wrap it up for today a little shorter than last episode. Uh, But thank you for listening. Please go on, rate, or review on Apple Podcasts, uh, as well as subscribing. That would be super awesome. Uh, I hope you all have a great rest of your week and a great Easter. So thank you for listening.